0: Welcome to the Legacy and Lifestyle Show, where you'll learn how to live the lifestyle you want today while planning for the legacy you want to leave tomorrow. And I'm your host, George Achenpong, entrepreneur, financial advisor, fitness enthusiast, and foodie. What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of the Legacy and Lifestyle Show. And I've been wanting to do this for a while, so I am so excited that we are finally here, this is finally getting off the ground, and one of the primary things that attracted me to the idea of a podcast in the first place, besides the fact that that I would feel like I had my own radio show, um, it was the convenience of it, right, so there's a ton of ways that you can receive content, and you can, you know, whether it's watching a video, uh, reading a blog post, reading a book, browsing online you know there's just a ton of ways but with audio and specifically a podcast you know if you're in the gym you can pop in your headphones and listen to it same if you're like on the train if you commute to work if you're driving you can play it over your car speakers um you know it's just extremely convenient if you're anything like me and you like to multitask then being able to kind of have that audio playing while you're doing whatever else you're doing it's um it's very convenient and you know, someone like me, I'm probably a bad multitasker, meaning I'm the guy that's checking his emails at the stoplight. I guess today is an introductory podcast, and I just really wanted to touch on, I guess, two primary primary points. Um, one kind of being the background, my background, if you will, and what qualifies me to speak to the different areas that I'll be speaking to um, throughout the show going forward, and the other being what to expect from the podcast, you know, in the future. Now, I, I understand that this is going to evolve into something much greater than I can conceptualize uh, today, but at least from where I sit currently, you know, what can you expect? What would the show look like? You know, all that good stuff so that, you know, if you ever want to tune in again, right, which I hope you do. So let's go all the way back just to kind of give you a little bit of the context of who I am, because what I realize is. Ideally, some of the people that tune into the show will uh, n- have never met me before or might not know me previously. So I kind of want to give some context to who I am, just so you know you know what I'm all about and where I came from. So I was originally born in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, didn't live there that long, moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, lived there for a few years. And ultimately, I would say I was raised in Charlotte, North Carolina, also known as the Queen City. Um, so then that's where I currently reside as well. So going back to my childhood here in the, in the queen city, um, I just think about, you know, looking back, I've always really had an affinity for money. Um, I didn't really realize it just in terms of, you know, thinking about it and as it relates to it, you know, translating into a career path in the future. But if I look back, I've always kind of been this, this frugal kid, who had some sense about him when it came to money in most cases. Now, I do have an ebook that reveals some of my um, financial pitfalls as a kid, but for the most part, I've always made pretty good decisions around my money. So when I think back to one of my first jobs, my uncle um, played a large role in helping me understand the value of a dollar. So I wasn't one of those kids who got allowances just for being there. Like I actually went to work um, at a very young age. In order to earn the money that I needed or that I wanted, really, because what do you really need at, at ten and fifteen, right? But so my uncle had his own car dealing, uh, car detailing, excuse me, business, and on Saturdays I would help him wash cars, and it always seemed like it was either really hot or really cold. So when I say I earned every penny, I earned every penny. I remember some uh, sometimes washing cars in the winter and I felt like I was sticking my hand in a bucket of ice water and he said hey look the other lesson you can learn from this is that you need to use your brain because uh, you're not cut out for hard labor and I kind of took offense to it then I'm thinking like I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man's man all of you know 13 years old but I'm a man's man of course I'm cut out for um, manual labor but what I realized is he was just trying to help me and you know help me understand that you can be smart and leverage your brain and you don't necessarily have to uh, you know, use your hands and your body per se, right? So, that was a couple of lessons I, I learned very early on. And I wasn't the kid that got the money and spent it or went out and bought a bunch of toys. I mean, I, I would hold on to it. I would even be the kid where my older aunts and uncles would ask me uh, to borrow money. And I was smart enough to know what interest was. I said, Hey, look, if I give this to you, I'm gonna need more back than um, when, you, when you give it to me in return. So, <laughs> I've always been that guy, I've always been that kid. And I'm proud to say it because it's uh, played a large part in who I've become uh, today. So if I think back to kind of growing up in my education, um, back to high school, I wasn't necessarily always, um, I guess, a star student. I had star moments, if you will. But if I look back at the, the subjects that I really just excelled in, they were always math related. So my geometry class, I got 100%. Um, It just was really easy to me. Geometry and trigonometry, I think, is what it was. Um, Algebra, same thing. I I had great teachers as well, but numbers just made sense to me, all right? Um, It was science and some of the more abstract subjects that I was just like, or really, U.S. history, I was like, oh, my gosh. But um, it was math. Math was a thing that always just made sense. And then when I got to, or right before I went to college, rather, um, I was in Upward Bound, and that program basically, let's just say the summer of your freshman year, you would take coursework that you would likely see your sophomore year. The summer of your sophomore year, you would take coursework that you would see your junior year, so on and so forth. So I kind of got an opportunity over the summer to get a, a, a heads up or a leg up on the school year. But the really good thing was during my senior year, since I wasn't going back to high school, they allowed us to take a class to which we could get college credit for. Naturally, I chose the math class. So that class, you know, I took it, got a good grade on, was able to transfer my transfer for college credit. And then one, what I learned once I got to college was that that was a class that was actually going to be a prerequisite for the business school that I was going to try to get into. Like you had to pass that class before you could get accepted into the business school. And then I had a lot of friends and peers that were failing that class or it was telling me it was, it was extremely difficult. And I was so fortunate that I, I didn't even have to worry about taking it because I placed I tested out of it with the score that I got on the summer class that I took prior to going to school. So for those of you wondering, I went to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, which is a phenomenal university. I enjoyed my time there. And even when I got there, that same track record of math and numbers kind of being the subject matter that appealed to me most, I had a class, once I got into the business school, um, I think it was Finance 315. And... There again, well, that was one of those classes that people tend tended to struggle with, and I aced it 100%, no issues. So this has kind of been, numbers have kind of been my thing for a while. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't even really realize it or think much about it until I looked back on it. But it all makes sense now. And when I was in school, I had an internship with Coca-Cola. And so I kind of did that the whole time I was in school. I would say this from the summer of my freshman year to even a couple of years after school. And I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Basically, I would, you know, work primarily over the summer. And then I think my sophomore or junior year, I would, I would actually put some hours in uh, before classes, like four, and four or five in the morning. And to me, it was worth it because I knew if I stuck with it, I would have a job uh, guaranteed when I graduated. And I got I graduated with a double major in marketing and economics. So this would have more so leveraged the marketing side of my degree. So I was pretty committed to it. Coca-Cola is a great company um, and I was excited for the opportunity. So rewind a little bit back, I think my sophomore year of the internship, my mom was in the process of getting remarried and she knew that I I was always kind of good with finances. And she said, hey son, you know, me and my husband to be are, you know, joining our finances together, you know, would love if you could help us, you know, put together a plan not that I had any formal training or expertise but she just knew that I was always good with managing money and that I could probably you know provide some insight. Honestly, how I think the story goes is that she told me that they were getting married and I offered my services and said, "Hey, look, mom, you know I could probably put together a budget for you and all that kind of stuff." I'm not really sure if she asked me or not, but the other version sounds better so let's let's go with that and she can correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, so uh, I was at the summer of my sophomore year, I actually stayed after hours and- use the computer, the printer and all that kind of stuff at my internship to start working on this financial plan for my mom. And sometimes I was there eight or, eight or nine o'clock at night, just, um, you know, researching how to put the best financial plan together, creating spreadsheets, all this kind of stuff. And I was enjoying it and having fun with it. And I'm just like, looking back, I'm like, wow, like this is something I've always had a passion for. And so I had a buddy of mine who was interning with. Uh, a finance firm, I can't remember the name of it now, but I just had him do a uh, look over the plan and give it a once over and say, hey, is this, you know, anything similar to like what you guys do or what your company provides for its clients? And he says, honestly, man, this is this is probably better than what we do. Like, how'd you how'd you create this? And I was like, well, just, you know, did something that made sense. There again, you know, didn't give it much thought. Um, gave the plan to my mom, she loved it. And they uh, actually, I'm pretty sure, I'm not, the, I'm not sure if they still are, but they used it and found some value in it. And I was, you know, very informal. Um, I had no formal training. I put, I mean, it was formal in the sense that what I put together was was solid and it was a lot of effort there, but it was, I had no formal training at that point and had no desire to pursue a career in financial planning. So then, you know, I graduate around a time where the economy is going in a different direction and I'm forced to, man, what am I going to do? Because the job that I was supposed to be entitled to, they kind of did away with the position. So at this point, they were pretty much keeping me on as a glorified intern. So I was doing the work that should have been I, I should have been getting paid for as a full-time employee, but I was getting paid much less because the role itself kind of was non-existent. So at that point, I had to start exploring other options. And I remember that my friend who worked for the firm said, "Hey, look, you know, you know if you ever want to want me to put a good word in for you, you know, let me know, and I'd be glad to." So I reached out to him and said, "Well, let me." Let me tap into this economic side of my degree. And I reached out to him. He set up an introduction with uh, the managing director of the firm or one of the managing directors of the firm. And I had to sit down with him, went really well. And I went through this, I, w- I wouldn't say intense, but probably three to four person interview process. And the interesting thing looking back though, is I wasn't really applying for a job more. So I guess they were trying to validate if I fit into the culture because the nature of the role was 100% commission, meaning I was 100% responsible for any money that I earned. I, I didn't get any base salary. I didn't get any draw. The only way I made money is if I acquired a new client and got them to open up accounts or purchase a financial product. So that was extremely difficult. And it was a huge learning lesson, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and I and I stayed with that firm for just a little over two years uh, I, I got my, my training there, some of my licenses there, um, some of my understanding about managing a business there, and it just got to a point where I think their philosophies didn't necessarily completely align with mine, and since they weren't giving me a paycheck to be there, I had to make a strategic decision to branch out on my own, and which I did with a, a couple of partners, started a firm. I had an office here in Charlotte. There was an office in Raleigh, and there was an office in Atlanta. And then, you know, as time persisted, again, further refining what I want out of my business and what, and what I want to do long-term, I decided to go in another direction. And it was more so driven by a a direction associated with the industry and not so much a direction associated with the company philosophies, right? I wanted to take a, take a route known as fee-based planning, which I, you know, I'll, I'll, Kind of go into details and go into the weeds on another blog post, but basically, I wanted my clients to pay me for my expertise and pay me for managing their assets well. I didn't want them to pay me for a hot financial product that I could recommend that may or may not be in their best interest. So, and not that I ever did that, but I just never wanted to put myself in a position that would that will cause a moral hazard. So that is the direction of my of my practice now, and I'm actually in the process of even uh, of, launch, of relaunching that brand as well. So a lot of exciting things going on. So if you're tuning into the podcast for the first time, you'll get to see a lot of new and exciting things that I'll be including and talking about here as well. All in, I guess you could say I have a little over five, six years, going on six years of formal experience in the financial planning industry. So I guess you could say that's what qualifies me to talk about money. Um, as you know, and as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, I you know there's a lot of informal things that speak to the nature of why I might be qualified to talk about this stuff just because it's always been ingrained in me. But ultimately I kind of wanted to got, wanted to give you guys the formal and informal background. So now I want to touch on a little bit about what to expect from the show going forward. So first and foremost, one of the things that I really wanted everybody to understand is that, you know. I don't know everything. I don't proclaim to know everything. And I, quite frankly, I don't want to know everything, but I do want you guys to know that I'm credible, which is why I gave you a little bit of context and background. But ultimately I want to connect with you guys. Right. And I feel like the best way to connect with people and the best way to have, you know, a greater influence is to, is to bridge the gap between credibility and vulnerability. Right. So there's a level of, expertise you guys would expect me to have for you guys to listen to what I'm talking about but also there has to be a level of vulnerability there to let you guys know that hey I'm in the struggle with you too I mean I like nice clothes, cars, shoes, everything that you like and I have and I'm oftentimes faced with difficult decisions about making sure that I'm making decisions that are in alignment with my you know my financial goals and not decisions that just feel good at the time you know and I I want to make sure that I'm transparent about that because, you know, I don't want to come across as this expert who has it all figured out, who has no desire to spend money in a frivolous way, because I do. And I think everybody does. And I think the more transparent I am about that and the more transparent I am about how I overcome that. Ultimately, that will be the most uh, beneficial, at least I feel so kind of bridging that gap between what I know and the expertise that I have and the vulnerability of where I actually am and how I progress through the struggles as well. What I also figured out is, the people that desire to be financially free, which is pretty much everyone, whether they realize it or not. Now, whether their habits and actions are aligned with that are a different story, but nobody wants to be financially unfree. It's not so much the mechanics or the specifics that are important. Now, granted, those things have to happen in order for you to successfully get to where you wanna go, to your end point. But ultimately, what's most important is buying into the bigger vision, the bigger why, as to why you're doing it in the first place. Case in point, if I say, you know, you need to eat brown rice and broccoli and chicken, grilled chicken for the next 45 days because it's good for you, eh, I mean, that's just a true statement. But it would be pretty hard to do that if you didn't have a reason why you were doing it. Now, for me, my why is I always wanna be, well, let me first, let me caveat that. You don't have to only eat that to be healthy. I'm just giving you a dramatic example. But for me, my why for being healthy is, I wanna be healthy for my unborn kids so that when they when they get here I can to the best of my ability, I can be healthy, I can be active in their life from now and for years to come, you know? And I wanna lead by example. That's my that's my why for being healthy. A byproduct of it is that I that I get to be in shape and I might look nice on the beach. You know, some people might have more short term goals like I'm going to Miami in three months and I've gotta have a a nice bathing suit body. And then those goals have their place. Um, but what happens when you get back from Miami? Are you gonna be committed to the goal? But if you have a bigger um, overarching why, it keeps you going when you know the going gets tough and when it isn't convenient to stick to the goal. So I look at finances the same way. If I say you should save X amount of dollars every month because it's good to save money, we all know it's good to save money. But is that gonna keep you committed to saving money? Who knows? But if I say, hey, look, By you making these positive and proactive decisions to save money, you're going to be able to buy yourself the peace of mind to know that if you ever get laid off, things are going to be okay. If you ever have um, something that comes up, whether it's a car accident, a flat tire, or whatever the case may be, those will be inconveniences, but they won't be emergencies. Sometimes I even go as far as to telling people to name their accounts the purpose While they're putting money in that account. So, for instance, if you're instead of just having savings account 00105, maybe you change the name on your online banking to peace of mind account. And these things may seem corny, they may seem cheesy, but they work. You have to attach your daily habits to a bigger vision so that you can keep up with it long term. So, a lot of what we're gonna talk about on the show is these conceptual ideas that will get you bought in to achieving the goals and dreams. Of the lifestyle that you desire. Uh, one other thing that we're always going to do is we're going to feature, you know, guests on the show, whether it's entrepreneurs who are living the lifestyle that they that they want and they're you know preparing for that legacy that they're going to leave tomorrow, whether it's people who are in the midst of making a transition that we can relate to, um, or whether it's somebody who's in a certain industry that can provide some insight that will save you money today. Right, there are certain things that you can do. Maybe on your own, or just valuable insights that you otherwise would not have known. So, I would say those are some cornerstones of the show. I I briefly touched on entrepreneurship, which I think is a component because part of living your best life is spending as much time possible doing what fulfills you. And if you're working a job that you hate, sure, you might be able to find a job that you love. But what I found for a lot of people is that they really, entrepreneurship on some level, even if it's a side hustle in the interim, uh, is a goal for a lot of people they just don't know how to start but it's so valuable and so important because you know we only get one life and if you're devoting a third of your life to a job that you don't really enjoy and you're just trading it for you know dollars so that you can pay your bills it's going to be pretty hard for you to live a fulfilling life if you're just living it on the weekends right so that's a, that'll be a component of the show just talking about you know opening up that conversation for what it means to be an entrepreneur you know, how to best position yourself to, you know, become an entrepreneur and all that kind of stuff. So we'll definitely be talking on that stuff. Uh, We'll we'll even touch on relationships a little bit. Uh, I'm no Dr. Phil, but relationships have a huge impact on your money, right? If you think about your friends and if y'all aren't like-minded and you're in a a space or in a season where you're trying to save as much as possible, pay off debt, invest money, but your friends want to go, you know, out of town all the time and they want to invite you out on the weekends Invite you out to eat every day. That's going to be a conflict, right? So we got to talk about one, you know, managing the expectations with certain certain relationships, and then two, maybe identifying if certain people, if their values and visions for their life don't align with yours. Because I'm pretty sure we've all heard the quote, we're the sum total of the five people that we hang around the most, and that is huge." So we will touch on relationships a little bit, and I'm ideally it'll be a situation where you can simply pay it forward, right? You begin to adopt a certain philosophy and not that you just pour it on everybody else, but you lead by example and these start to influence the people around you. And then everybody that we know and love is starting to live the lifestyle that they, that they want. But I really want everybody to tap into their passion, tap into what makes them tick and just really uh, live um, a fulfilling life so that they can leave a legacy that they're proud of. Cause people want to have leave an impact in the world. People don't desire just to go to work, come home, and do that day in and day out for 40, 50, or even 60 years. I'm sorry. I just don't believe that. Now, I'm not going to say that entrepreneurship is for everybody. So maybe it's a matter of even you know, helping start a nonprofit or being a part of a nonprofit. Or maybe it's a matter of finding a job that does fulfill you, but maybe it doesn't pay that much. But because of what you do on the side, entrepreneurially, just to subsidize what you're not getting from your job, maybe that situation works. But none of those things can ever happen. If you don't put yourself in the best situation financially, and and that's how money ties to all of it, because money is the resource. We don't care how much money we have in our account. We're not trying to save a million dollars and say, man, look how good that million dollars looks in my account. No one cares about that. And we're not, and we certainly don't care what type of account it is. It doesn't matter whether it's a saving account, checking account, Roth IRA, 401k. We don't care. Those are just a means to an end. What we ultimately care about is that somewhere along the line, we conceptualize that having X amount of dollars can provide us this type of lifestyle, right? Or we can do this for our family or we can do this to change the world. And that's what's important. So if we can focus on those things and understand that our decisions around money will ultimately get us there, it'll be a lot easier to buy into a plan like that than a plan that says save money because it's a good thing to do. Invest money because you you need to have money in the future. Those are all true statements, but those aren't statements that are necessarily going to drive behavioral changes. So, that's my goal. I don't want you to to tune into a rah rah session where you know you, after the episode is over, nothing changes. I want to give you practical tips, and I also want to shift your mentality, because that's what it's going to take, and it's a constant shift. It's not like ooh, the light bulb went off. And I never have to revisit it again. We have to constantly revisit this thing day in and day out. So a lot of the topics that we hear will be variations of something maybe that you've heard before, but it's necessary. Right. I'm pretty sure we all go to church. And for all the years that you've gone to church, if you do go to church, I'm pretty sure the sermon that hasn't been a, a maybe the the message or the title, if you will, was different from Sunday to Sunday. But I'm pretty sure over the years there's been a recurring theme. And a lot of those sermons, that's because the principles are already there. There's nothing new under the sun. What, what changes things is when you hear a message or you understand a concept that changes your behavior and helps change your behavior over time because nothing happens overnight. So that is kind of the high level of what to expect from the show. I hope that makes sense. No pun intended. And I hope that you guys tune in. I mean, I think this is going to be great. Uh, most certainly, I want you guys to provide feedback to me. Uh, Tell me what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Say, hey, George, that last episode was great. We need a lot more of that. Or George, the last episode was absolutely terrible. You should probably consider taking your podcast mic and throwing it in the trash. Now, I probably won't do that, but the feedback is welcome. So again, thanks, guys, for, for checking me out. This is the first of many Um, I look forward to doing a lot more of these with you guys, and I even want to entertain the idea of answering questions on the podcast, so I'll figure out, you know, over time, you know, the best way to address that, uh, whether it's you guys, you know, send me questions in advance of the podcast, or if I do some type of live version of recording the podcast while the questions are coming in, I mean, that's kind of fancy, so that might not be the day one plan, but ultimately, I do want to, you know, answer your questions because that's what's going to make this valuable, right? Right. And I want to keep it real. I want to keep it fun. And I want to make sure that you guys get some value from it. So until the next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Legacy and Lifestyle Show with George Atchampong, where we teach you how to live the lifestyle you want today while planning for the legacy you want to leave tomorrow. Leave your mark on the world and live the life of your dreams. Now that makes sense to me.